0: This is the Luke Thomas Show podcast. You can listen to the full show weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156.
1: Today on the Luke Thomas Show podcast, we're going to assess who's to blame for the state of disrepair of the flyweight division. We'll talk about Jessica Penny getting a somewhat reduced suspension by USADA. And, of course, Americans think that if you buy Corona beer, you're going to get the coronavirus, and I want them all to have a bad day. The Luke Thomas Show airs weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m., right here on Sirius XM Fight Nation, channel 156. So UFC Norfolk is tomorrow. We do, I did the math on this, we do 12 segments a day on this show for each hour. So we do 12 a day, and we're on five days a week. You do the math on that, That's excuse me. that's 60 segments. We do 60 segments a week, and up till today, so we're now 12 short of that, so 48, we've gone 48 segments this week not talking about the UFC Norfolk, because it's just not a great card, which isn't to say that the fights won't be good, which is not to say that there won't be some interesting new developments in the sport, in fact, the flyweight title is up for grabs, dot, 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 sort of. I find this completely unbelievable, I mean, I guess I don't, but I kind of do, I'm sort of... Every, all over the place on this one. So if you guys did not hear, I find this just truly remarkable. Devison Figueroa, who was one half of your main event for UFC Norfolk, the other half being Joseph Benavidez, who we had on the show I don't know, about a month or two ago. This comes to us from our friends at MMA Fighting. Devison Figueroa weighed in two point five pounds over the flyweight championship limit for his upcoming bout with Joseph Benavidez. Yeah. Yeah. Now, here's what that means. That makes him ineligible to compete for the title. The bout is still going to happen. So all of the fights are still there, including your main event. Joseph Benavidez is going to fight Devis and tomorrow, at least as of the time of this, this broadcast. Figueredo is going to forfeit 30% of his purse. Here's how it's going to work. If Benavidez wins, he becomes the flyweight champ. He is eligible to win the title. Uh, This, of course, is the same title that was vacated by Henry Cejudo. Figueiredo, should he prove victorious, does not get anything. In which case, you might be like, "Well, well, then where does the flyweight title go? Right. It remains vacated at that point. Yeah. Brilliant. Just brilliant. Brilliant work. Uh, If you missed the details, Figueredo was given an extra hour when he came in over to make 125 pounds, but officials told ESPN that Figueredo will not be cutting any more weight. Funnily enough, this is Figueredo's very first time missing weight in the UFC. However, he had only hit 125 on the dot once in seven previous appearances. Of course, those were all non-title bouts, and then I guess uh, as a consequence, he had, had, had had hit 126. Still, he didn't even hit 126 at this point. He was a 127-plus. Uh, had he made weight, he would have been the second Brazilian to contend for the UFC flyweight title. Wilson Hayes fought Demetrius Johnson, UFC on Fox 24, but lost. That was back in 2017. This would be, his, uh, for Benavidez, his third attempt, of course, at trying to get the championship limit here. Uh, another fighter on Friday missed weight, featherweight, Grant Dawson. Dawson weighed in at 149.5, 3.5 over the featherweight limit. He's going to forfeit 30% of his purse to uh, opponent Derek Minner, but the bout will proceed as scheduled. Boy, that is (laughs) just amazing. Just absolutely amazing. Look, man, maybe he had, I, I don't know what the reality is here. Why he missed weight, I don't know. Did he turn his ankle and he couldn't do proper road work? I don't know. You know, was he injured in some way and he just couldn't keep his weight down? Did he get sick and, uh, you know, mismanaged his weight trying to deal with the illness or whatever the hell it was? I mean, who knows? Who knows? You know, I, I don't know what the answer is. But Jesus Christ, you have got to be kidding me. I'm not usually one of these guys who tries to hammer fighters about missing weight in the sense that, I mean, yes, it's obviously unprofessional. And now you're going to give up your money, in which case, if you lose, let's say, I don't know how much he was going to make. Let's say 100K. Probably not that much, but let's just say. So, not only do you, now you can't win the title, which is just ridiculous. On top of that, um, your total potential had you won was 200 grand. Now, if you lose, not only are you back to 100, you're actually down to 70 because you're going to lose all of that various potential there them both the, the show and win money and then the fine and even if you win 200k um you're, you're gonna have to give up 60 so the best case scenario is 140k before taxes which sounds like a lot but n- not not really i just don't understand these guys i mean if he has a real medical excuse then you know what are you gonna do but to me i've said before if they wanted to keep flyweight man then keep flyweight it's whatever I think a lot of people posture on social media about how every time a flyweight fight comes on, they can't wait to put their pants around their ankles because it's just the greatest thing since sliced bread. I think all these people are posers. Yes, there are obviously very great fighters at 125 pounds. Hudo was a good and great 125-pound champion. Uh, Demetrius Johnson, one of the best. And there's been some great flyweight fights. I don't have anything against the flyweights, but I don't treat them as saints, and i don't treat them as like these com- completely downtrodden beaten up division that just can't get a fair shake i mean the ufc put them in many big primetime spots for 8 years now they did a lot of times there was a lot of times where they didn't relative to other divisions but you know this far into the game if they were going to catch on i'm not saying it would definitely would have happened but it probably would have happened Maybe, just maybe, people are not that interested in this division or these guys or some combination of the two. People are always like, oh, the UFC has categorically under-promoted flyweight. Let me ask you a question out there. What other organization has better promoted in the history of MMA flyweight? Now, you might be able to say some of the Japanese organizations in the aughts made it a much more central feature of their matchmaking and their organizational output, and that would be true. But in terms of any kind of worldwide pedestal, I mean, it's just a ridiculous notion. Dude, um, strike force. Bellator doesn't even have a flyweight division. Now, why do you think that is? Because Scott Coker, who's been doing this for decades, has no fucking idea what he's doing. Is that the idea? Or maybe, just maybe, it's a hard division to promote. And even if you want to blame the UFC for draining it and then kind of keeping it around, which I didn't understand, you know, if you're going to get rid of it, get rid of it. If you're not, don't. Can you really say that they're the architects of all of this division's misery? Because I'm looking at today's weigh-in results, and I can pretty much tell they're not. I want to talk about this. You know, it was amazing. One of my favorite writers in MMA, he doesn't do a whole lot of it. It's very part-time for him. But uh, he covers pro wrestling and stuff, too. His name is Todd Martin. Todd Martin works over at SureDog, and he wrote a piece this week basically being like, look, and this was before all today's weigh-in fiasco. It's like, the only thing, the only reason you want to, the only people benefiting by keeping the flyweight division around are either Figueredo or Benavidez, the one who's eventually going to become the champion. It doesn't do any good. His point was basically, look, we tried to promote, or we, UFC tried to promote this um, division, for eight years. They did a lot more than people realized they did. They had an all-time great champion. It didn't take. And, you know, there's a bit of a weird mismanagement between, are we're going to kill it? We're not going to kill it. We're going to kill it. We're not going to kill it. Okay, fine. But the point being is, um, if you take away this division, that opens up other possibilities for other fighters in other, in other weight classes to get a shot at you know, just to be more active. It's like you wouldn't do less events. You just fill it with fighters from other divisions. And, you know, how many times has there been a case where, you know, we've had people come on the show being like, you know, I just can't get enough fights. I just can't get enough fights. I mean, this is what Todd Martin writes in his SureDog column. We'll tweet this out at MMA on XM. Cobb, don't forget to tweet this, please. Quote, in spite of this, the UFC made a good-faith effort to try and build the men's flyweight division. It put title fights on Fox, marketed Demetrius Johnson as the best pound-for-pound fighter in the sport, and spent nearly eight years trying to get the division going. Nothing took. It it wasn't simply that the title fights never drew, although they didn't. It was that from top to bottom, the division with the highest decision rate just wasn't creating any stars or interest. Look, man, I have said this before. We're talking about Devison and for tomorrow's UFC Norfolk missing weight. I have said this before, show me the organization that does better with the flyweight division historically than the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Now, again, this is never going to be an apples-to-apples apples comparison. I understand that. Um, you're talking about the you know, the organization at the peak of MMA with the most amount of power in, in terms of market share ever. Fine. But you know they've cut a lot of people from this division, let them, a lot of them go. What happened to them? People either moved on to a higher weight class. You know, Demetrius, I think, has given, uh, Johnson has given a bit of a PR boost to one, um, has created some greater attention. Are they really, because of Demetrius Johnson, any closer to putting a show in the United States and drawing at the gate as a consequence? Boy, I would love to see it. Would love to see it. I don't believe that's true even a little bit. It might have been. Uh, it, it has served as, um, in addition to PR, some third-party validation in terms of what quality and level a fighter competes in that organization. It's a good. It's a good marriage for them. I'm not poo-pooing. And I'm simply saying the idea that it revolutionized things for them is just ridiculous. It's not true. And yes, there's been times where the UFC has buried flyweight fights at the bottom of cards, or they put you know heavyweight fights when they shouldn't have that were terrible above them. That's that's fine. But there are many ways to count what the UFC did as good faith efforts. There are many ways to count what they did as certainly enough to maybe kickstart the division or find and sort the talent, and the public just has not shown a great degree of enthusiasm, and everybody wants to blame the UFC for it. Look, man, I will give the UFC plenty of blame for there have been instances where they buried it and buried fights. Um, They did did market Demetrius Johnson in terms of putting him on big shows and putting him in pay-per-view main events to a degree. Uh, or plenty of Fox main events. He got plenty of exposure. All of that is true. I thought they could have done more with the video game side of things, but I don't think that would have radically transformed who he was either. But fine. You want to say that the state of the current flyweight division is partly the fault of the UFC. I think that argument is somewhat overstated, but I think parts of it are fair too. I think it's completely justified in them draining everything, letting everyone go, and then all of a sudden at the last minute saying, well, maybe not. I mean, that's all 100% their fault. But okay, guys, here's the deal. If Devison Figueiredo wins tomorrow, he is not expected to, but MMA being what it is and him being a very good fighter, what if that happens? Now, after the title gets vacated or stripped or whatever you want to call it from Henry Cejudo, It remains vacated because the guy who was the ostensible number one contender in Joseph Benavidez in that particular circumstance couldn't win and the guy who upset him couldn't make weight. There's uh, Here's who to blame for the state of flyweight. Everybody. (laughs) The consumers, I don't believe, care that much. I believe that the parts of the MMA media who pretend that their pants are around their ankles when there's flyweight fighters going on, are grossly overselling their interest? How many of those people who have either podcasts or radio shows have gone out of their way to feature flyweight talent? I don't know the answer to that. I'd, be, I'd love to find out. How many of the editors who run those sites can honestly tell you that the people who click on their articles are clicking on it uh, in great degree for flyweight content? I worked at three big sites, two of the biggest ones in MMA. I was an editor-in-chief for one of them. Let me tell you how it works for flyweight content. People don't click on it. Not much. Now, there's plenty of people in other weight classes that they don't click on as well, but it was not a particularly exciting weight class. Good fights, yes, but in terms of what attracts a larger and casual audience, not that much. So... They have a bit of their own problems to deal with here. They have their own, uh, in terms of like the, you know, the market doesn't really respond to it. They caught You can argue they mismanaged it to a degree. The draining of it at the end was really weird. But hello, the flyweights also bear responsibility. Maybe, as I said, maybe, maybe there was some kind of medical condition that prevented Figueredo from making weight. Dude, how do you botch weight when the title has been vacated? It is so hard to get a UFC title shot. And you show up and you can't do it to the point where if you win, now they still can't crown a champion. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It's so, it's so irresponsible. And you can't blame the UFC for all of Flyweight's problems. Sorry, you can't. None of those guys have captured the public's imagination. That ain't all the UFC's fault. These guys in title fights can't make weight. You got a strong division, one-weight class up. That's just pulling people in different directions. You know, as I said, UFC draining it, not great. UFC pay structure guided in a way where, uh, you know, UFC deserves blame in the sense that if uh, Cejudo thinks he's going to make more money fighting at 135 than 125, and that's why he's gone up there, that's partly on the UFC for you know arranging pay in such a way that it creates perverse market incentives. All I want to point out is take one thing from this. There's lots of things you can blame the UFC for. Some of it fair, some of it not. But fine, you want to blame them, blame them. They are not the only problem here. It may just be that the market never responded. It may just be that their stars never really, the, the, the bright talent there never took off of the public's imagination. And when other people had a chance to step up and and claim the throne, they couldn't even make weight. Now, if Benavidez wins, okay, fine. Can you imagine the disaster if Figueroa wins tomorrow? Are you kidding me? Could you blame the UFC for folding that division if that happened? I wouldn't. And I would caution you not to either. And don't give me this nonsense that, oh, your favorite fighters are flyweights and your favorite fights are flyweights. Some of them are, like any other division. A lot of them aren't. I don't pretend to like something because Twitter says it's cool.
0: If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for free. Just go to SiriusXM.com slash Thomas to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's SiriusXM.com slash Luke Thomas. Offer available to new Sirius XM streaming subscribers. Sirius XM, no car required.
1: Did you guys see this breaking news that happened? What now? With Jessica Penny? Yes. I didn't catch it, no. Uh, okay, so from USADA... Jessica Penney has accepted a 20-month sanction, which means, retroactive to the day of the original infraction, she is eligible to return uh, on or around December 8th of this year. Remember, she was facing a four-year period of ineligibility. There's a lot that goes into it. Basically, what they say, USADA says, is um, she had this first offense, but we knew she didn't cheat because we know where the source of the contamination came from. It was from a doctor that had prescribed her medication. Still, she should know better. She got an 18-month suspension for it. Then she had these trace levels of this other substance come up. And uh, here's what they said. You saw to determine that a reduct... Well, So she went and got uh, a... So she tests positive for this a second time. She takes her stuff to a a third-party laboratory, and they say, ha, we've spotted it. We found it. The source of the contamination, it's this. USADA tried to do that at a WADA-accredited laboratory, and they couldn't reproduce the results. So they were going to ban her, not ban her for for life, but for four years, which essentially is a lifetime ban. Anyway, they also say this, uh, USADA determined that a reduction to the otherwise applicable period of ineligibility, four years, um, was appropriate in this case due to the totality of circumstances, including the complexity of issues, as well as Penny's participation in discussions with USADA following her initial public comments in January, furthermore, Under the current UFC anti-doping policy, USADA did not pursue an enhanced sanction for a second violation because USADA determined that Penny was not intending to cheat when she committed her first violation as her use of the prohibited anabolic agent DHEA in a dietary supplement was based upon the recommendation of a physician related to a medical issue. So she will be back in the cage. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about it at this point. Um, But there you go. So she will be back. She will be doing it. You know, something occurred to me about this, Cobb, that I was just not thinking about because I was reacting in real time. Do you know what that is? What's that? I could have sworn that they, and I guess they've moved away from it uh, in a real way. I'm not, well, I'm not sure exactly how they employ it. But they have really moved away from strict liability, have they not? Oh, it feels like it. So strict liability, for those who may not remember, is the idea that uh, and it's been, it's been a hallmark of anti-doping essentially since the formation of uh, WADA. It actually comes from tort law. It's actually where the term comes from, where if you know if you have, uh, I've said this before, if you have a wild animal in your yard, it might be legal to own the wild animal, but let's say you have it, and the animal escapes, even if you put a 20-foot fence and everything else and it eats somebody's neighbor, um, you have strict liability there. Right, uh, because the idea is that you kept something so hazardous, and you engaged in such a hazardous activity that it doesn't matter what other people might have been doing. Your responsibility is so strong; you're the only one who can be held responsible. Or uh, if you're, let's say, these people who detonate, you know, uh, mountains to for various um, architectural or uh, fracking purposes or whatever the case may be. Um, to build highways or even, if you detonate something like that, which is, you know, the detonation itself was legal, it was planned, it was strategic, blah, blah, blah. But somebody gets killed in the process, you are strictly liable, right? Uh, so that's where it comes from. Anyway, what is the point about strict liability? The idea would be if you tested positive for something, um, it it didn't matter that you didn't mean to do it. The point is you're responsible for everything you put in your body at the whole, your whole time, the whole time, and Jeff Nowitzki, who does not work for U.S.A. of course works for the UFC. He did a piece with. Uh, we did a whole thing on the show about it, uh, talking to Josh Gross of the of the Athletic. And the reason why it was significant was because he said, you know, we, we live in a contaminated world where the water you drink, the prescription drugs you get from your doctor, uh, and the local pharmacy, to the food, to everything, it's all contaminated. We can't live in a strict liability world anymore. That sounds like, okay, that sounds pretty reasonable. But the problem is if you don't live in a strict liability, well, then it becomes a judgment call about what is a threshold that differentiates cheating from not cheating. What are the circumstances that indicate that this person was not intending to cheat and versus is? And so they reduced her punishment from four years to 20 months, which is significant. I'm not crying about that, to be clear. But I'm always real curious about this like real different way in which they're measuring guilt and innocence and how punishment should correspond to it. Uh, They even state outright it was a series of complicated factors, part of which was that the first time she ran afoul of USADA violation, even they determined that it wasn't necessarily to cheat. There was a sort of the doctor was a part of this whole process. Okay, fine. But now, again, whatever the thresholds are for the various substances, they set those numerically. I would like to see the scientific evidentiary basis for those numbers. How do you know what, if 0.1 is the, is the cutoff, what happens if you're 0.099 or what if you're 0.101, right? I mean, are we talking about radically different levels of the substance being in your body? Not really, but one is the, is the marker for cheating and one is not. I would love to see the evidentiary basis of that challenge. Just remember something in all of these cases. They've flipped the standards a little bit, I think in a more humane direction, but also a much more subjective direction, which makes it kind of weird. And the last thing I'll say about this is, remember, USADA gets out here and tells everybody about, we do this, these are our standards, this is why. There's a real advocacy for the positions, a stating of the positions. You don't see those for athletes unless they challenge them and then a lawyer gets involved. You don't hear the other side of the story, not merely for that individual athlete, but about what that lawyer has to say about the arguments USADA is making. I'm reading this other book now by this guy named uh, by, uh, Werner Muller. He's this huge academic out over in Europe, and he has a whole book on the ethics of both doping and the ethics of anti-doping and how both of them can kind of be confused. And the book starts out by noting, there, did you guys know this? I did not know this. There is no official definition of what doping is. In fact, if you look at how it's defined in the WADA code, it's so broad, on purpose, so as, and, and the logic is so circular, uh, so that it gives them the space they need to persecute it. But his whole point is, if you don't have a clear definition of what it is, how can you effectively prosecute it? Let me read this to you here real quickly. This is the definition of doping by WADA. Quote, Doping is defined as the occurrence of one or more of the anti-doping rule violations set out in Article 2.1 through Article 2.8 of the Code. As Werner Muller writes, doping is simply defined as infringement of WADA's doping regulations. In other words, doping is whatever WADA at any moment assesses it to be. It's a completely circular definition. Right? So, getting back to this Jessica Penny situation here, real quick, we'll wrap up on this that I don't want to believe the point anymore. I've been trying to tell you guys, The rules that go into play, I don't mind USADA per se defending its institutional interests. I don't mind the UFC per se defending its institutional interests, but those should be in tension with a set of interests codified and defended by uh, both a document that has binding power and a set of people who can defend them on their behalf and then working out a policy where everyone has a degree of mutual gain and everyone has the kind of protections that, um, at least on a basic level that they need. But in pointing out doping doesn't even have a real definition, you might think, oh, it's like taking steroids. Well, is it? Because you can get a TUE under certain circumstances for various anabolic agents, right? So that's not true. Uh, Or it's the taking under, uh, to intending to cheat. But that's not true either, because if it's contaminated up to a certain level, you didn't intend to cheat, And it's still counted. Like every time we try to put a parameter on doping, it doesn't work. So WADA, the the World Anti Doping Agency, just created a. They just made it up. They just you know some completely circular definition. Right. So the subjectivity in doping. Everyone thinks it's ironclad. Everyone thinks it's by the book. Everyone thinks it's. We're going to stick to this rule, and this rule enumerates that outcome, and everything is very, very orderly. No, dude. It's super subjective, and it's only getting more so. Um, You're seeing that with this particular consideration and many others as well. SiriusXM XM Fight Nation celebrates Black History Month every
2: weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern on the Akin Barak Show. All month long, the show reflects on the life and legacy of different influential African-American athletes. Such icons as Muhammad Ali. I'm
1: the king of the
2: world. Kobe Bryant. You guys will always be in my heart. I love you guys. Jackie Robinson. Robinson dashes for the plate. Safe. And more will be recognized for the impact they made both in and out of sports. The Akin Barak Show, weekdays noon till 3 Eastern, only on Sirius XM Fight Nation.
1: Cobb, I found one of these uh, truly hilarious stories. I know you saw it as well. So let's talk about it now. Uh, people are dumb. People are dumb. Not, not, not our listeners. They're better. But the average donk is a real moron. This comes to us from any place. I got it from CNN.com. Uh, the spread of the coronavirus couldn't have come at a worse time for Corona beer, if you can believe that. Corona beer isn't making any changes to its advertising, despite the name's unfortunate similarity to a deadly coronavirus. Constellation Brands, which brews several variations of the popular lager, said in a statement that its customers understand there is no link between the virus and our business. Uh, They don't. Apparently, sales have dropped. Cobb, have you seen that? I did see it, yeah. And uh, people are now asking, can you get the coronavirus from drinking Corona beer. This is from the Denver Post two hours ago. Um, the Mexican lager has taken a hit following spread of flu-like virus. A uh, survey conducted by a, a public relations firm, 5WPR, polled 737 adults over 21 on their opinions of Corona beer and found 38% would not buy the beer under any circumstances, Cobb, following the coronavirus outbreak. Of those who normally drink Corona, 14% said they wouldn't order it at a public venue. And 4% said they'd stop drinking it altogether. Now, you need to stop drinking water and then take a long walk off a short pier. Dude, <laughs> how are people this stupid? Do you understand what Corona means, donks? It's just Spanish for crown. That's it. Doesn't mean anything else. Crown. A Corona is what uh, Tyson Fury had on his head. As he walked out to the cage. No more, no less. I, I would like to tell you, Cobb, that I find people to be surprisingly dumb, but I guess I don't. <laughs> the the- co- uh, Let me guess. Mike Pendleton, are you one of these donks? No.
0: I'm going to drink Corona more now because there's going to be less people drinking it.
1: Yeah, no kidding, dude. There's going to be more Corona for me. What simpletons there are in this world, man.
2: Look, if we did a Venn diagram and we had... People who think that the coronavirus has something to do with Corona beer and people who just don't read or listen to anything that you put out on Twitter and just talk at you anyway in the comments, how mm-hmm. big of an overlap do you think there is between the two?
1: Boy, that's a lot of the same people it feels like <laughs> to me. I couldn't, I couldn't say for certain, Cobb. I've not done the scientific research, but it just feels like a lot of the people who, you know what it is? It's the people who like argue with you about things you don't even say. It's like, oh, look, you think everyone should be able to do steroids? I've literally never said that. I've literally never said that. And they'll say that. Or like Todd Martin. Todd Martin Cobb put out that piece on the flyweight division saying, like, UFC should shutter this joint. And everyone made a bunch of arguments about things he didn't even argue. Like, Twitter is full of people who just don't want to listen or don't want to, you know, will really do anything. But I find this amazing. This is one of those things where it's like, wow, dude, you know. I don't want to say this because I'll lose my job, but uh, not everybody needs to be here. Cobb, (laughs) is that the nicest way of saying it? I'm with you. Can we shoot some people to Mars? I'm not saying they got to, you know, we got to, they all have need to perish, but can we just can we put a colony on Mars? And people like, oh, I want to go move to Mars. No, I want to stay here. I want y'all to go to Mars. That's kind of how I want it. Where would you rather live, Cobb? A Earth where all the morons have been shipped to Mars, or a cool. Mars colony with morons.
2: You know one of the morons is going to screw up the colony, though, know, and let all the air out, so I'll, yeah, I'll still course. take here.
1: Yeah, and Matt Damon's not going to be there to use your poop to make <laughs> potatoes, understand? He
2: will not be there to science the shit out of this, you know? He's
1: not going to science the shit out of those things. One of the great scripts, truly, in cinematic history. Uh, I like to tell you, Cobb, that I'm amazed by this, but I'm really not. I'm really not. Honestly, do you think you know somebody who thought there was a connection between the coronavirus and... And Corona effing beer.
2: I have to know at least one person. I couldn't tell you who they are right now, but there has to be someone in my network that thinks yeah. this.
1: I wonder too, man.
2: I don't hang out with the brightest of folks, so.
1: <laughs> wow, I saw that. Dude, it, here's the thing. When the news was spreading about this, I gotta be honest, that would not even even occur to me. And then they, people started talking about it, and I'm like, of course. Of course we're in a position where people think that a Mexican beer Using the word crown would have something in common with COVID 19. Are they making it COVID 19 to protect the beers of Corona?
2: I don't know. Maybe that's why. <laughs> Maybe they're just trying to help Corona out, keep the economy going. I know the stock market's taking a massive hit. So I don't know. Maybe we need to keep uh, Corona's uh, revenue up there.
1: I'm literally looking at a headline on Twitter because they had the, the news on the right side. Uh, US News Corona beer does not cause coronavirus. Honestly. <laughs> I, I, I low-key can't believe that we need to say that, but I kind of can. I kind of can believe that we, in fact, need to say that.
2: Well, We need to put disclaimers at the bottom of commercials when people are doing utterly ridiculous things that you should know never to do anyway, and just to keep those idiots safe. Yeah, you need big headlines, apparently, to make sure people realize this has nothing to do with the beer you're drinking. Go ahead, keep on drinking.
1: Dude, I wish I knew who the people were so when they walked out of their house I could spray them with Corona beer. And make them think that they're all going to die.
2: <laughs> like an outbreak monkey. Yeah, that. like an
1: outbreak monkey. <laughs> and then, and then you know, call the CDC and be like, I know some people who have the coronavirus. And have them go check and then be, you know, trick them to think like they have it. And then be like, what symptoms do you have? And they're like, well, I'm soaked in corona beer. Does that count? And then the members of the CDC would look at them and then set their house on fire and everyone would cry. And then I would be happy. I think that's what needs to happen.
2: And the sad thing is they're invading everyone. I don't know about what your Twitter timeline looks like, but mine is all coronavirus. Uh, do we have to like ruin beer at the same time? Like can we just deal with the normal paranoia of whatever's supposed to be coming over? They gotta ruin some beer for us as well?
1: You know what I'm gonna have tonight, Cobb? I'm gonna have a little Corona Royal with my uh Coke Zero, if you know what I mean. I'm not afraid of the coronavirus, bro. I'm not afraid. Not afraid of that garbage at all. Now, Cobb and I were talking because in addition to the fact that there are just a portion of Americans that are brain damaged beyond repair and i don't mean you know people who had serious injuries i mean people who were just born with incredibly bad genetics there was another consideration that we had namely we were talking about it yesterday japan and apparently south korea is going to do something similar japan has canceled school for a month now imagine you had a month off of work but here's the catch you're kind of quarantined to your house I mean maybe you can walk down the street to like the local grocery store or something like that but you're basically confined. You can't go to the movies. I mean you can, you can you know you're at home but you can't go out to the theater, right? You can't go out for forms of entertainment. You're stuck at home and you're watching TV and for a month. What is your quarantined playlist? What are those things that you have put off that you just have never watched. That now you really have no choice but to watch. I want to start with Mike Pendleton because you're going to have the worst answer on this. I'm certain. What would you do? What would you if you had a month quarantined? What is going to be your viewing pleasure du jour, Mike Pendleton?
0: You sure? You sure you want to know this?
1: Oh, 100.
0: Okay. Uh, well, I mean, I think you know already.
1: Okay, for the live UFC events, but beyond that, day to day.
0: Um, I honestly, I've been stuck probably for the last six months just watching reruns of The Office. So it'd be The Office and UFC fight pass nonstop. No,
1: the British one or the American one? The American one. God, you're trash. Boo. You're a trash human. <laughs> Boo. I hope, I, I hope Dana White never jumps off that cliff metaphorically in your heart. I hope he stays up there forever, leaving you wanting for the rest of eternity boo Andy. <laughs> have you, Has he Is he on the phone? Has he never seen the British one? No, you I have Never not. seen the British one, Mike?
2: Nope. nope. Well, that's what you but, should binge.
1: Dude, I got news for you. If you get coronavirus, you need to watch the British office. 877-FIGHT93, 877-344-4893. If you had to be stuck inside for a month because you had the coronavirus and you're all quarantined, what are you? What like? What is your priority? And yes, oh, on the night the games are on, I'm watching the games, but you're just stuck in your room all day, basically. You got TV, you got you know, the world is your oyster. What are you going to watch, Cobb? What about you? What are you going to watch?
2: Uh, I still now that I have binged uh, Breaking Bad, I still have to watch Better Call Saul, which I'm very interested at in. Um, dude, I might rewatch The Wire just to do it.
1: How many seasons were there of The Wire? I think there were five, if I remember correctly five seasons yeah that would get you through at least a week right I mean if you're binging right I
2: would think so yeah I mean at I think least I, I, I week. think I did it pretty fast too within a week or two
1: what is like I guess what we're asking is what is highly bingeable watching can I tell you donks my wife is binging right now what's that which, which by the way I can bring up because no one in my family listens to my show my <laughs> wife and I had a conversation about that um Two shows. One that I watch with her, I can't lie. Uh, 90 Day Fiance, you guys watch this? No, but you have told me in the past, too, that she's making you watch this. Bro, it's a bunch of weird people. Dude, reality TV, I've said it before, it's just sad, lonely people looking for some kind of connection in the world. That's all it is. It's just sad, lonely people who don't mind. Not in every case, but a lot of cases. Who make bad and weird decisions, because that's the only kind they're capable of. Uh, But the one I don't watch... Is uh, Have you guys heard of this one, um, Love is Blind, this new show on Netflix?
2: Uh, I've not seen it, no.
1: You haven't heard about it at all? What
2: did you say it was called, Love is Blind?
1: Love is Blind. No, I have not Dude, these it. people meet up six weeks ahead of time, and I, I missed the whole season, but I caught the finale because my wife put it on in front of me, and I was trying to read. But I guess they date for six weeks, and I guess they get set up in certain kinds of ways, and then they have to go to the altar- the girls in wedding dresses, the dudes in their full tucks, their whole families are there. And then when they say that, th- you know, how in, a, in a wedding, it's always like, and do you miss KOB, take KOB to be your lawfully wedded husband, blah, blah, blah. And you say, I do. Right. That is their chance to either say I do or I don't. And like, like two thirds of them just say, I don't. But then the other donks after dating for six weeks, they get married on the show. These are the people that don't drink Corona because they're worried about getting the coronavirus. Straight up. <laughs> that's who that is, dude. I figured it out. My wife loves this show. Have you seen this show, Mike? Absolutely not. No? Where,
0: where would I fit it in between Dana White's looking for a fight and The Office? And,
1: and re-watching old videos of STEM playing Face the Pain at, at, you know, live concerts? Yeah. And the Just Bleed guy? And the Just Bleed guy? That's right.
0: Thanks for listening. Catch The Luke Thomas Show live and in its entirety weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. On Twitter, follow at L Thomas News and the channel at MMA on Sirius XM.